0: Co PR acknowledges the traditional owners of the land that this podcast was recorded and produced on, the Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples of the East Kulin Nations. We pay our respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging, and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. <laughs> welcome to the press office with Kaden and Co-PR, the podcast that gives you an exclusive and unfiltered look behind the scenes of the australian media landscape and public relations industry i'm your host marissa jane and if you are dreaming of a career in public relations are an aspiring journalist or simply just obsessed with all things digital and traditional media then this is the podcast for you Welcome back to the Press Office with Caden Co. PR. We are only days away from the start of the Melbourne Cup Carnival, so what better time than now to chat to one of the agency's clients, Jess Minea, who is the Public Relations Manager at Penfolds Australia. Penfolds is the naming rights sponsor for one of the greatest events on the Melbourne calendar, Penfold's Victoria Derby Day and and Caden Copiar could not be more thrilled to help bring it to life this year with the welcoming back of guests at Flemington Racecourse. In this interview, Jess shares her fascinating start to her career in PR as she was originally drawn to the world of creative before finding her footing through various internships and she offers some really tangible advice for all those wanting to work in this crazy world of public relations that we all know and love. With that in mind, let's get on to the interview. Hello, Jess, and welcome to the press office with Caden Co. PR. I'm really excited to talk to you today because we often talk to journalists, media personalities, and stylists. But some of my favourite chats on the show so far have been with fellow publicists because I can totally relate to their
1: journey. So, firstly. How long have you worked in the PR industry? So I've been in the PR industry for 10 years. So 2022 officially marks my 10 year anniversary since I took my first PR job and took the jump into this crazy world.
0: It certainly is a crazy world to anyone who has no idea what you do. Now, I love asking this question because I feel like my answer has changed
1: multiple times personally. But did you always know you wanted to be a publicist? It's funny because I don't think I ever consciously thought yeah, I want to be in PR and comms. But on reflection, I think it's something that's probably always been intertwined in my DNA. Um, My dad was in marketing. So as a kid, we'd get paid pocket money to help out with packing gift bags and doing the lanyards. So all the really exciting bits and pieces. So I think I got a taste for the marketing life early. But then throughout my teenage years, I really rejected the notion that it was something that was for me. I was quite creative at school and I really had no idea what I wanted to do when I left. So. I studied music, I was in every single school musical that kind of came around and then I was really into studio art. So when I finished school and was thinking about what was next for me, I enrolled in a diploma of applied photography and then I completed two years of study in fashion and commercial applications. So this was something that was incredibly creative but I think at the end, my creative juices were well and truly tapped out. I was burnt out, I was exhausted. And more than anything, I think I was quite confused because I had this passion for something. But then when I went to study it, it didn't quite translate. So I took a gap year, as anyone would do at this point in their life, and I traveled the world. And while I was away, I met someone who actually studied PR and it sounded like a really good mix to me. And it kind of did take me back to those initial things where I thought marketing might be something that was in my future. And so I applied for a Bachelor of Comms and came back and sat the entrance exam and a month later got accepted and I haven't really looked back since then.
0: That is a really interesting journey into PR but I think that PR is the perfect balance for a lot of people between being creative but then also being quite business-minded and strategic so you found the perfect career here. I think I did. So where exactly did you start your PR career and then how did you end up in this amazing role as the PR manager at Penfolds?
1: So when I was studying at RMIT, part of the coursework, and I think probably a rite of passage for any PR student, is the world of internships. And I did quite a few of these throughout my time. So I did everything from flying up to Sydney and trying my hand at Fashion PR with Sweaty Betty. I interned at the Cancer Council a couple of days a week, so to do a bit of a not-for-profit space um, to see if I liked that. But then my main internship landed me at Ogilvy PR Melbourne. And I think looking back, I can really honestly say that walking through the doors at Ogilvy has really changed my life. This internship was really hard work, it was challenging, but it was also incredibly rewarding. And I had to push outside my comfort zone every day, but I did make a commitment at the start that no matter how hard it was or how much I dreaded going or how much I loved it, I'd just make the most of that opportunity, be brave, stick to my guns and try and put my best foot forward. So during the internship, I always tried to be the first one in the office. I'm a morning person, so it was not that hard. <laughs> I asked questions, showed interest, and I think this actually held me in great stead because I was asked back on a number of media calls after my internship concluded. And I really made an effort to stay in touch with the team. And then, lo and behold, a few months later, an account coordinator role popped up, and it was great timing because I just finished my degree. And i graduated the same week that they offered me my first role so i had the opportunity to work with an incredible team some really passionate people who took me under their wing they helped me grow personally and professionally and i also got to work on some really cool clients so highlights being um, amy as a client so ronda and katook campaign pretty fun it was a great one to work on i did everything from nab microsoft a superannuation client but my favorite client which I don't know if you're allowed to say that, but if I could, my favorite client was Uniqlo, um, the Japanese apparel retailer. So I was lucky enough to work on their launch to Australia. And then after a couple of years of working on this, the PR manager left and went moved on to a new role, and I went in on secondment to fill the void until they could get someone in. But it turns out I was exactly what they were looking for, and I was lucky enough to start as national PR and events manager in 2015. So I worked in that role for four years. I traveled the world. I went on food everywhere from Europe to Asia. I worked with ambassadors like Roger Federer, Novak Djokovic, Adam Scott, which was incredibly humbling, um, but it was a brilliant few years. And then in 2019, just before COVID, I was looking for the next challenge and a role at Penfolds popped up and a mentor that um, I'd been touching base with about what my next career step was said, you have to apply for this. And I was a bit hesitant thinking, is it for me? But three years on, I still learn something new every day. My level of wine knowledge has increased so much as had has my average price per bottle spent and i get to work with an incredible team of motivated intelligent individuals so working each day with them is an absolute pleasure
0: You surely have some career highlights there but one of the things that you mentioned that I really want to highlight was how hard you worked in that initial Ogilvy internship because you left such a positive impression on the staff there you got called back for these media calls until there was the right role and I think sometimes you do need to just wait for that role and keep persevering especially if it's a dream job of yours and look it's landed you to where you are now.
1: As you said, it changed your life. And I think sometimes it's about faking it till you make it, like being calm on the surface, feet paddling furiously underwater. Like every day I went in thinking, I don't know if I can do this, but I think it's about having that self-belief and just putting yourself out there and opening your arms to kind of new experiences and new things.
0: Exactly that. And now at Penfolds, What are some things that you love about working with such an iconic brand?
1: So I think one of my favourite things, and this is probably my absolute favourite thing, is that Penfolds is synonymous with marking moments and everywhere I go and anyone I meet when I say I work for Penfolds has a Penfolds story and I think that's so important. You know, I think back to the first time I tasted Grange, Penfolds Grange, um, I was probably 17 or 18 and my boyfriend at the time, his dad bought out a bottle of Grange to celebrate, I think it was a, a 21st or an 18th and I remember tasting it and I didn't know any better and I gave him the rest of mine and said oh it's not my favourite, you can have it and I look back at that and think but it's a funny moment that how how much things have changed and now I'm still friends with, with, this, um, with this guy and every, you know, it's great being able to share my wine experiences with him now I'm the flip side where I'm kind of bringing something back and teaching him something new and then consumers across the world really mark milestones and moments with Penfolds and I think it's these wonderful stories that we're told about these special moments and the role Penfolds has played and I think it really shows that Penfolds is truly a vehicle that drives connectedness and it's rare and special to witness I think from a brand perspective I love the diversity of working on Penfolds. You know, if I think about next week, I'll be at Flemington for Melbourne Cup Carnival. I could be on the phone to our winemakers talking about tasting notes. Then I could be working on an influencer strategy, a tasting for wine critics. The list goes on, really. But the opportunities and experiences that come with a brand like Penfolds are fantastic. And it's a great time to be part of the team and help shape the future direction of the brand. I think as we're moving towards the ambition of becoming a global luxury icon, There's such a history that spans 178 years and it's pretty humbling to play a small part in that progression as we move into the next 178 too.
0: You've been doing some amazing events and I'm really excited to see what Darby Day does bring for the brand and we'll touch on that shortly too. But one thing I wanted to ask you about is about key opinion leaders because I know KOLs are hugely imported within the marketing and PR landscape. How does Penfolds work with them and why are they so important?
1: You know, it's funny thinking back to a time where we went glued to Instagram for three hours a day, um, you know, looking at influencer content. And I think it's the rise of importance of K- the KOL landscape since I started in PR that's really well and truly changed how we consume and interact with brands and products compared to, say, 10 years ago, even five years ago, really. So something that I think is really important to look at is where KOLs fit into the marketing mix of brands. You know, we know that out of home and social advertising can drive really cost effective top line brand awareness. But the engagement and audience relevance of KOL is what puts a brand in the consideration set for their target consumer. And it's so important. So KOLs sit really well in this consideration space. And they're a vehicle to drive brand consideration and awareness, and also alongside objectives like generating engaging and aspirational content. So, I think when you look at that for the mix, it's a really pivotal point for us. And another important factor that I always look at is KOL metrics. So, I'm always bewildered when I ask a talent manager or a KOL manager for a media kit, and they just come back with a series of screenshots of Instagram statistics. When you work in a marketing team, budget for activities for amplification can often be allocated by performance. And so having access to statistics is so important. And I'm a massive stickler for this. So at the end of each paid campaign, we actually really dive into those reach, impression, engagement metrics. And we're always finessing our ways of working to ensure we're involving, but we're also reaching the right target consumers. So I think there are two things that are an important way of looking at KOL but my golden rule working with KOLs is to truly partner with individuals who believe in your brand and product but more broadly than that are on board with your long-term journey and ambition so it's really a partnership and in other words I think probably curate a group of curious connected and creative individuals so at the moment for Penfolds we have a network of KOLs so we work with some through ongoing partnerships activations who've become I guess, fantastic ambassadors and brand advocates. And then we also have I guess a little group or a network of friends that we work with on a more ad hoc basis. But I think it's about our brilliant network that we've cultivated and I guess the power of those moments and the power of penfolds that we've been able to harness.
0: You've raised some really good points. One being a, around metrics, but two also being about the influencers or the KOLs that you're engaging, making sure that they're aligning with your brand values and your brand journey. It's not just about now, it's about. Later, the future, where are they going? Does it align with your brand?
1: Exactly, and I think that's also an evolving and moving face. You know, someone might be really great um, to partner with for a certain period, but as they grow and evolve, there sometimes needs to become a mutual decision that we've outgrown each other or Mm. that they're kind of transitioning into a new space, so I think it's constantly Assessing and constantly challenging what we're doing and how we're doing it, and also moving with the times. Now, this
0: episode will air the week leading up to Derby Day, which is one of the biggest events on the calendar here in Melbourne. So, with the day fast approaching and Penfolds being the naming rights sponsor for the day. How important are these events and sponsorships for your brand?
1: So firstly, where has 2022 gone and how are we already in spring racing period of the year? It's insane. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) It's really exciting that we can finally welcome guests to Flemington this year after last year that was a bit covid hampered, and we couldn't have a normal activation at Flemington for Penfolds Victoria Derby Day. But I think... Events and sponsorships are incredibly important and so vital to reaching new consumers, tapping into new networks and audiences. But I think now more than ever, this is something that's really important. So as the world opens up again, people are really looking for that in-person connection. Virtual definitely has a role to play. And I think we're seeing that with how we're probably more connected than we ever were to other points of the globe and being able to just pick up a team's call and do things and make decisions quickly. But in my opinion, nothing will ever trump the feeling of being at a real life event with a bunch of people you might not know, feeling the beat from the DJ in your chest and having a sip of a glass of fabulous wine. And I think nothing will ever kind of overtake that experience. And So I think having activations back to life is something that's just really, really brilliant. I am
0: so excited to see Flemington come back alive. It will be such a great year for the races. So I'm really excited to see what Penfolds do as well. So
1: can't wait to share it with you next week
0: amazing now i am going to ask you a few pr specific questions what is your preferred way to work with a pr agency
1: i think for me working with agencies is such a privilege because you really get to tap into a brains trust that bring new ideas perspectives and approaches and i get really energized by learning new things from a collective of brilliant pr brains um having everyone in the room and kind of bouncing off ideas and looking at new ways of doing things is just the coolest so I think sometimes at the start of any agency relationship, it can be a bit like learning a new TikTok dance. Everyone knows their role, they know the routine, but it can often be a bit clumsy until you get into the groove. But I think I'm incredibly fortunate to say I've gained not only many a professional and personal relationship through working with agencies. And I think if you get the balance right, and the right mix of people on the team, brilliant things can happen.
0: I agree. And do you have any advice for those listening who want to start a career in
1: PR? I think I'm lucky in the sense that I've had some great mentors over the years, but there are definitely a couple of top tips that have stuck with me and ones that I hope listeners will be able to kind of employ as they start their career. So the first, which makes me laugh, but It's PR, not ER. So I think no matter what happens, no matter how many cells you forget to include in the calculation of a budget tab, 99% of the time, everything will be okay. If it's not immediately fixable, we aren't saving lives. So this often provides me some really good perspective when things don't go to plan. Um, And then I guess the second is in the early days, sometimes you really have to love PR because it may not always love you. And I remember as a junior, and I've kind of referenced but how intense the work could be, how scary the task seemed, and how big the hours and expectation seemed at the time. But I think I knew I was in the right profession, and I knew I just had to stick with it and not give up. So you've just got to got to stick to it, hang in there, but you've got to love it back. And it was something that a mentor actually said to me and it yeah, it really stuck with me and I guess helped push me through. Um, the last one would be stick to your guns. So stay true to yourself, be your own biggest cheerleader and never get too big for your boots. Support other professionals, other women that are moving through the ranks and give your time freely and generously to mentor, especially juniors. So if you get asked to lecture at a university, go and do it. Um, offer to be an industry mentor these things not only mean the world to juniors and I definitely have some incredible memories of people coming in when I was at university doing that but they also help you grow and develop as a professional by putting yourself out there so they're probably my top three tips.
0: They are all great pieces of advice and I too also live by the Meadow motto, it's PR, not ER. It's such a good one. I, I don't know why, but publicists do seem to be quite stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I wonder why, really. Yeah, I think it's our personality types. Agreed. And lastly, what are three key traits that you think are important to have as a publicist?
1: I think probably firstly, resilience or tenacity for for many reasons that I've mentioned throughout this chat today. Secondly, being in tune with the external world and cultural relevance. Stay up to date with what's happening, with trends, and just make yourself that indispensable encyclopedia of culture. And probably the last one, it's really tricky to pick three, but the last one that when I was thinking about this was the ability to foster and maintain relationships. So much of what we do is all about relationships, and whether it's with media, with suppliers, with agencies, colleagues, ex-colleagues, with everyone really and it's it's also amazing to see over the years how relationships kind of ebb and flow and come back around there's people that you might not speak to for 5 years who'll be thinking about a PR person that they need or someone they need to hire, and then your name will pop up and you'll be connected again. And I think it's something that just seems to happen all the time now where I'm so surprised by a name in my inbox, but those relationships honestly are so important. So don't forget to make time for those.
0: Exactly. That is all very, very true. Now, I have had such a great time chatting to you, but we're already at the end of the chat. But before we Jump off. I have five quick fire questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, firstly, coffee or tea, and how do you take it?
1: Oh, so if I'm at home, I'm a Melbourne breakfast tea from T2, but about a quarter milk. If I'm out, it'll be a skinny flat white. Ooh. Emails or phone calls? I think I'm probably 50 50. I can't split this one. I think problem solve on the phone and have the difficult conversations on the phone. It's always better to pick it up and just get it done have the chat and just be bold, but then emails to kind of wrap it back up and get everything documented is always for the win.
0: And what is your screen time?
1: Do you know, I was really surprised mine is not too horrific after listening to some of the previous recordings. Mine last week was three hours and four minutes and I was still on annual leave. So that's not terrible. That's good. That's good. I think everyone has this
0: weird conception about what is normal and what is not normal.
1: Yeah, this is true. But I wasn't horrified. Like, that's not too bad.
0: (laughs) Yeah. If I was on three hours, I would be proud of myself.
1: (laughs) Maybe it just means I need to consume more. So it could be a challenge for me. And what is your most used app? Unsurprisingly for me, it's Instagram. It is so addictive. And I feel like I just go down rabbit holes of content.
0: Lastly, what is your typical day in media consumption? So
1: following my last answer, straight to Instagram in the morning. Um, so I'll generally follow quite a few news outlets. So I'll scroll through and see if anything big's happened overnight. Then straight to email for news alerts when I'm on my computer, once I get into the office, generally to the news websites. And then I also check my work email for news summaries and alerts. So that's pretty much my morning in a nutshell while I'm having my tea, 2 tea or coffee. <laughs>
0: amazing well thank you so much for coming onto the show today I really appreciate your
1: time thanks so much for having me it's been a pleasure
0: thank you for listening to the press office with Kate and Co PR please subscribe rate and review via your favorite podcast app and please give us a follow like and share on Instagram at Kate Co PR